Hi everyone, it's David Wheeler at Wickham Wanderers and you're listening to the Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show. In the next hour, and not necessarily in this order, you'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth, Chris Farino. Uh, we got uh, our, uh, our, our debrief with Phil. <laughs> That's on the way in a few moments' time. Uh, and also, we've got some highlights for you from uh, Saturday's game at Oxford as well. Uh, we've got a showbiz section. <laughs> Uh, this week, uh, we'll hear from uh, Rachel from Wickham Swan and Matt from Wickham Wanderers looking ahead to Beast Mode on the screenings, uh, which are coming to Wickham Swan later this month. Haven't had a showbiz section of the show before. Uh, also, with thanks to Wickham Wanderers X Players Association, we'll catch up with a former player and former assistant manager, uh, but still just the one person, uh, Alan Davis. Uh, he's uh, coming up a bit later on as well. Uh, plus, we'll bring you the latest on the chair girls as well. But first, an eventful day on Saturday at Oxford as described by Phil. Welcome to the Kassam here in sunny Oxfordshire. Wickham Wanderers taking on Oxford United in the M40 derby. The Sam Bokes. Gate in midfield scrapping and then Taylor just loops one over the top for Marcus Brown to chase. Chris Farino heads the ball back to Striek but he doesn't get there and he goes down. Penalty. Disastrous stuff from Wickham Wanderers. Chris Farino heads the ball back to Striek who didn't get there in time. Brown did beat the keeper to it, went down and the referee in a good position points to the penalty spot and for the second week in a row Wickham Wanderers face a first half penalty but that's poor play. Yeah Wickham's penalty walls continuing into this game. Brannigan versus Striek who gave away the penalty, can he atone for this now? Brannigan right footed approaches the ball, it's beaten away by Striek and the rebound as well, brilliant double stop by the keeper of Oxford still on the attack and Anis Rometty heads clear and it's a Wickham fan celebrating that like a goal but Oxford come again in fact no they've won a free kick Wickham the beat has come short but Mawson is winding up a long one into the box Folks doesn't win the flick on but it drops down to wing from the headed clearance back in by Freeman now Farino's there will it drop to a red shirt it doesn't Farino unable to fashion anything there but Wickham come again with Mawson they drill it to Farino scores Pinpoint bar, passed by Alfie Mawson and Chris Barino just cushions the ball into the bottom corner. Oxford nil, Wickham Wanderers one. There's the spark. Abita into Mametti. Back to Abita. Wings made the run, but the cross comes and it's a good ball in. Big Chris is up, just past the post. Not far away from getting a second goal of the day for Chris Barino. Referee has a look at his watch, Keith Stroud. Blows a full-time whistle and Wickham's run of defeats has ended and they've beaten Oxford United at the Kassam for the first time since 2014. It's been a tough three weeks for the chair boys. And that's a big victory. And we'll leave you with the full-time score here at the Kassam. Oxford United nil. Wickham Wanderers won. Certainly an eventful day on Saturday. Uh, of course, uh, quite a delay in uh, uh, the proceedings as well due to that uh, fan taken ill. A uh, challenging time for your match commentator. Uh, we can hear from Phil now. Yeah, that was. Uh, it's never easy um, having to deal with stuff like that. And it puts things into perspective a little bit as well, doesn't it? Because uh, a hugely worrying situation for the, for the person and their family. Uh, reports are that they've done well and this week and, and on the road to recovery. Uh, but a big shout out as well to all the, the staff at Oxford United, especially for dealing with the situation so well, keeping everybody informed uh, and then sort of taking a calm and balanced approach and getting the game back on when everything was OK to do so. Um, tough for us to deal with. Uh, I think even harder for the players because you get warmed up, you get ready, you get out there, you're, you're 
10, 15 minutes into a match and then all of a sudden you're back down the tunnel and then they came back out and then had to have a, a, another big warm-up to get going and straight back in. And, and I think Wickham started the, the restart much better and uh, full testament to them for that as well. It was always going to be a tough game as well. Two teams coming into it with a lot to lose um, in terms of their position in the table. Not really happy with the start of the season for Oxford or or Wickham Wanderers. The fans uh, for both teams, I think, were concerned of the sticky start. Uh, so that added a bit more spice to it. It's already a spicy game without that. But um, I think Wickham played the uh, the occasion better, I think, throughout the game, including the break. Uh, and that was good to see. Um, and I think it was really good to see the goal as well, real quality in the goal. Uh, and then the defensive performance as well was was really good. Uh, after the game, I spoke to Gareth Ainsworth and uh, he agreed. The lads were superb, defended unbelievably well today. Um, we knew away from home at Oxford, they've got injuries, I've got injuries. That's why both teams are battling where they are at the moment and it was a big, big game for both clubs, I think. And I have to empathise with Carl. You know, when you can't put your best players on the pitch, you do struggle for points, you know, and, and, and I think that come second half of the season, both clubs will be flying, you know but we have these these issues at the moment. So to get the win for me was was really needed, super special. And that's the reason I walked straight over to the fans at the end. The players are with me, my staff are with me, then fans are with me. And it, and it felt that today, you know, and it felt at the end, they know, they understand, which is great for me. And, uh, and so, you know, um, with everything that went on today, I was just glad to be able to deliver a win, which it is a derby game and it was, it was played like one, wasn't it? And, uh, and I was really pleased that we got the three points at the end of the day. Let's talk about the pass for the goal. Alfie Mawson onto the head of Chris Carino. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see a better pass in League One today, are we? Uh, no, but you saw one at Barnsley when he went and hit David Wheeler, I think. They were very similar. You know, Alfie's, Alfie is the, the best centre-half in League One. You know, In his prime, he's England call-up. You know? And those moments show why he, why he was called up for England, why he played in the Premier League. Injuries have, have really hurt his career. But we're looking after him. He looks a million dollars at the moment, you know, and, and credit to the medical team. Of all the injuries we have, people will be looking at them going, what's going on? They're keeping players like Alfie going, Sam Volk's going, you know, the Gareth McCleary going, sensational players for this team. And, uh, and Alfie definitely delivered a, a brilliant pass. But I want to talk about the header as well. There's a lot to do on that. And Chris Farino, for the boy who, you know, has been through the mill in his, his life, uh, released here, there and everywhere, um, I thought he had a fantastic game today. Still some learning points for him, but what a header. From the local derby, away from home at the, at the away end. Uh, sorry, the, the home end at Oxford, you know what I'm talking about. But um, just brilliant moment for him, and uh, he'll, he'll remember that for a long time, I'm sure. Um, but both of those will credit Max's double penalty save, the way we defended, you know, team people coming into the team, JJ, probably a few eyebrows might have been raised, you know, because he, he's, he's had a... a an indifferent sort of campaign so far with a couple of things that have gone against us and again not JJ's fault injuries were open sometimes and it's, it's hard I thought he was imperious today I thought he was brilliant at the back there so um, really really proud of the boys you know and getting a couple of the young ones Jasper and TJ on at the end is, is again real, real positives for the club we've got a real good young group coming through and that will come through in a, a year or so but now was important because we needed those points a real day for characters as well because the two players that combined to give away the penalty have really pulled through today. The, sa- the double save from Strick and the goal from Chris Farino and a, and a big performance from Big Chris as well. That shows character, doesn't it? Yeah. Chris's 
biggest thing is going to be the mental side. It is for most players, but Chris especially, because Chris uh, probably the the life he's had and the, and the way he's been from club to club to club, but he has a home here. He has a manager who believes in him um, and teammates who believe in him. And when he plays like that, there's, there's, there's undoubted ability, you know. Um, learning, the header, he's got away with it today. Learning, when you when the wind's against you, it might not reach that header, you know. You've got to really open your eyes, see where Max is and put it in his hands. But um, the rest was down to the, the Polish keeper and he, I thought he, again, was sensational. You know, it's stuff, stuff, stuff to work on. Lee Harrison would have been proud of that one and I'm, I'm, I've heard they've got a win at Colchester today which I'm really, really pleased for Blooms. Um, both of us got the win which was great you know, and, uh, and it, felt, it felt really good at the end although you know, I understand where, where Oxford are with, with the injuries they have so I think the second half of the season is going to be different for both clubs. We spoke on Thursday, he said, I look like a genius if we go to the sum and then win the next game. You're a genius, Gareth Fangs, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I, wait, I used the word genius, did I? But uh, if I did, okay, I'm, I might, I, yeah, you might use that. <laughs> Listen, I'm, there's five, that's my school teachers, there's no way I was a genius. Um, I, will, I will take... Um, I, I won't take credit, I will give the boys credit for the way they took on the two days in the sum. And and coming away from football and not training on the back of three defeats you know it takes some characters to go you know are we doing the right thing here but they all believed and we referenced it before the game we referenced it your, your pals battalions your mates with you that's what you are on there and they were together today they ran for each other they defended for each other um, you know it was a fantastic trip and it could have gone the other way and even if it went the other way today I still would have said what a fantastic trip it was well worthwhile um, but luckily we, we, we got the result and you know, at the end there, it, it, it was almost soldier-like, the defending they had to do. You know, Oxford, somebody said, I've had 28 shots. I think 20 of them probably outside the box, you know, and over the bar and hopeful. That's fine. That's fine. We expect Max to save them. We expect them not to go on target. We had some opportunities. What I, what I want to work on this week is probably our opportunities become few and far between in these sort of games. We've got to make them count. Uh, great to hear from the manager and you know so many talking points from the game obviously Alfie's uh, assist and, and obviously first touch as well which was quite impressive yeah we, let's think about this this was a, a really high quality goal uh, and this was the two centre-backs uh, two of the three centre-backs on the day combining uh, for a goal of, of such beauty and quality uh, which shows you that the depth and quality there is at Wickham Wanderers uh, we all know Alfie's got it in his locker uh, but you're right the first touch uh, was a little bit overlooked, wasn't it? Because the pass was so special. Uh, but actually, the first touch was the foundation for that pass. And yeah, it's great to see Alfie back uh, in the Wickham Wanderers shirt. And quite ironic, where we've been talking about injuries quite a lot in the last two, three weeks, or two, three months even. Uh, and when Alfie rejoined, uh, there was a big concern over his recent injury record. But he's been playing week in, week out, um, Touchwood, and looking very good. Um, so yeah, it's great to see. But I mean, also the finish was... I think I didn't really do it justice at the time because it was right onto Chris's forehead, but he had a lot to do from there as well. He had to put, position it and cushion it correctly and he, he did a really good job of that too. And it's a real joy to see Chris Farino um, as one of our own, somebody who was plucked from, from university football straight into the rigours of, of a League One squad. And to see him grow week in, week out as a player and a person is a real joy to watch. Um, and defensively, I thought he did superbly well. Uh, bearing in mind he made he made a, a major error in the game along with Max Trieck to give away the penalty, but Max atoned for that error. Uh, and then Chris didn't didn't let that dwell on him either and, and produced a, 
an otherwise flawless display uh, against a tricky player in Marcus Brown, but really good defensive display, capped off with the winning goal as well. And it was great to speak to Chris after the full-time whistle too. Been a long time, I think February, Lincoln, so did enjoy it. It might not have looked that way, I didn't really crack a smile, but yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Talk me through the assist, because that was a hell of a pass from Alfie Mawson. Yeah, I'm yet to speak to him about whether he meant it or not, but as I said, I'm sure he probably will claim he meant it, but it's a great ball. Great. Still plenty to do, though, from there, and you found the bottom corner brilliantly. Yeah, I thought I mean, I thought it was going to hit the post, to be fair, but it just had just enough uh, fade and, like, recent times, one that might have hit the post for us. But we had, well, I had a bit of luck today without going in, and, yeah. And show great character as well because you and Max there's a bit of confusion about the uh, the penalty in the first half but like all good pros just get on with it and then you made a count at the other end Yeah I think um, after that it was the break obviously um, and I hope the, the fans are right sorry I should have said that first and foremost um, we've been told he's stabilised so that's obviously positive news but I mean the break came at the right time I was collect myself obviously um, and yeah get on with the game to be fair I think old me would have hung on to that and had a bit of a hangover coming out but move to one side and, and get on with the game Great character from you but great character from the team as well because that was a tough battle today Yeah it was a, it was a proper proper good old scrap I mean defended our box communicating and yeah looking to my right and left like you've got Alfie Jason JJ Jordan a lot of players and that know what they're doing in terms of that and it's part of Wickham uh, and I've learned that since I've been there when, when we need to dig in we've all got each other's back um, obviously prepping this week went to the Somme on Monday and Tuesday not a lot of clubs would have done that and I think today was a perfect example of being like yeah we're going to dig in together and no one's getting through us Yeah it was a, an interesting week and Gareth said that was reflected before the game today as well it was spoken about Yeah it was mentioned in the pre-game talk and I think the boys realised of course how lucky we are to be what we, to do what we love and do what we enjoy and going there was a real eye-opener real eye-opener and I think it made everyone feel a bit grateful um, and a real period of like reflection uh, Monday and Tuesday and going into it, I feel like the boys were a bit fired up a bit more fired up today After some tough away games this season is, is that a game that can kickstart us now? Absolutely absolutely we've been waiting for a performance and result like this that we've needed obviously the rubber the green last week didn't particularly go away because I feel like we were hard done by not to come away of anything against Plymouth but as I said, that's, that's sometimes the way it goes. This, this performance here is something for, for us to now build on. Really nice to hear from Chris Freno. And as you said, he, he really is sort of growing into his role and settling in so well. And, and a brilliant story that he has as well. Yeah, I love, I think it was Oily Sailor who's coined the, the nickname the UCAS Berezi, uh, which is, uh, I think, a fantastic nickname. And uh, it lends itself into some uh, some clearing puns as well, which I think for defenders <laughs> always useful. Uh, but yeah, so he's a really good lad, Chris. And as I said earlier, it's great to see him sort of develop as a player and a person. And he's really enjoying his time at Wickham Wanderers. I know the fans love seeing him out there as well. Uh, he's picked the, the, the pre-match playlist this week for the Peter Brigade. Uh, so uh, it's good to get to know him a bit more about his musical choices as well. Uh, but yeah, he's just a, a very impressive young man. And it's, it's great to see him involved at Wickham and, and really progressing. And he's the next one off that production line. Alex Fermetti, Chris Farino, uh, and then hopefully a lot more to come. And we've not even touched on the double penalty save yet. Well, yeah, Max Striek, fantastic, wasn't it? Um, you know, I think he was—he probably would have held up his gloved hands and said, "Yeah, culpable in 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 giving away the penalty along with Chris." Uh, but then, brilliant save, Cameron Brannigan. Let's not forget, he's a specialist from the spot. He scored four penalties in one game last season. He's got a very good record from uh, from the penalty spot. Um, but I think with with Max, he stood up well. Um, I think it was a really good save. Lovely to see the, the side angle that a fan took on their phone showed that Max's foot was still on the line 
and so there was no doubt about any encroachment. Uh, he guessed right, and I think when you're a keeper, if you can guess right, then you're a long way to get in there. Um, and then it was a really good save. But then the second save from Henry was just out of this world because that's just pure instinct and brilliant, brilliant bit of goalkeeping because he did what all good goalkeepers should do, picked himself up, made himself as big as possible. And the second save was fantastic. And the, the fans celebrated it like a goal. They had the perfect view of it from their position at the Kassam and it was celebrated like a goal. Um, and I think it obviously when, when the unfortunate break in play came, it meant that Wickham were going down the tunnel pumped up and maybe they used that in that, in that long 45 minutes break. Uh, and then in that warm up to kind of G them on to, to restart the game better. But yeah, a real turning point in the game and perhaps Colin, a turning point in the season as well, because it, it was a big contribution to the three points against Oxford on Saturday. And hopefully this victory can be a springboard now for Wickham Wanderers to get on a really good run. It really feels like it, doesn't it, with the uh, injuries coming back and, and some of the opposition that, that are, are approaching as well? Yeah, the, every game in League One's a big game, but, you know, Peterborough, then it's MK Dons in the league uh, in between. We've got a, a knockout game, in essence, in the, in the, in the uh, Papa John's Trophy against Peterborough as well. Uh, and then, you know, these are all big games, aren't they? So, But I think for Wickham now, they've tended to go on runs. I really hope this is the start of a really good run now because after the... Um, after Peterborough, then MK Dons, and then there's, there's some home games again as well. And then there's Cambridge, uh, Port Vale, Morecambe. These are all to, to come up at Adams Park um, as well. And, and whereas we say they're all tough games in League One, you'd look at those as home games and think perhaps these are winnable games. I mean, Gareth will tell you they're all winnable, but you know what I mean when I look at that run of fixtures and think, well, if we can get through the next two games with positive results, then all of a sudden we could be looking at a, a Wickham Wanderers style run of getting back up the table. And it's still a tight table. I know the top two are making a really good run of it and uh, the pace is incredible at the top of the table. I'm not sure if that can be sustained or not, but if Wickham can get a little run together, then they'll soon be back there or thereabouts around that top six and, and hopefully fans will be happier with uh, looking at the table on a Sunday morning. And we'll hear about it later on the show as well, but from a double save to a double screening, uh, fantastic that uh, Adebayo Akinfonwa's beast mode on uh, is being shown uh, at Wickham Swan. Yeah, well, we've all been very keen on to see what Adebay Wackenfirma was going to do after hanging up the boots. I think he, he, he was on record as saying he wasn't going to go into management. So uh, the media side of it was always going to be uh, where he was going to go. Um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing this documentary because um, obviously we all know about Bayo the footballer, but there's that really great story about Bayo uh, the person. And you know we all really miss him here. I know the players do and the fans do, but we all miss him here as staff at Wickham Wanderers as well because he was such a fantastically positive person, such a massive character. And the one thing I always take away with my sort of uh, meetings with Bayo and interviews and stuff and chats is that he would always be never be defined by his circumstances. You know, never let someone tell you you can't do something because of something that in really in in essence isn't in your control. Um, and that's been a really powerful message for me. I got into the media in, in my mid-30s and everyone told me that it was, I was too old. I should be doing it. I should be doing something else. And do you know what? I think I took quite a bit of inspiration from Bayo as a person. And I, and I think a lot of football fans in general may have similar stories. And you get inspiration from all sorts of people in life, but it's always a really positive, great people. They've also achieved really great things as well against the odds that really help you kind of get up on a morning some days and think, yeah, today's a tough day, but you know, it's like, what would Bayo do today? 
Uh, and yeah, so he's been a really important character. So I'm really looking forward to seeing this documentary. And, and it's great to have him back in Wickham as well and back in the theatre. I mean, uh, that's a, another great thing as well, getting the Wickham Swan. Uh, he's a big man. It's a big place, but I'm sure he'll fill it. Are you in the documentary yourself? Uh, I don't think so, no. I don't think the world's <laughs> Wandering really past in the background or something. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Brilliant statue. Enjoy the game on Saturday. I will certainly do so, yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. It's a, a spicy one, this one. That's brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. My pleasure, Colin. Great chat to you, Phil. Uh, of course, I'm sure you know, uh, is the uh, host of Ringing the Blues, head of audio and broadcast at the football club and our match day commentator. He'll be bringing you uh, ball-by-ball commentary, they call it, uh, at uh, the uh, game on Saturday at Adams Park against Peterborough. Don't think you can hear those chats with Chris Farino and Gareth Ainsworth in full on Wanderers TV. Online, on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Still to come on the Wickham Wanderers show, we'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth and assistant manager of Wickham Wanderers women, Dan Webber, as well. But first, an announcement. The Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association are holding their annual dinner on Friday the 18th of November. It's taking place at Adams Park and uh, the association would like to know how many ex-players and fans would like to attend. Uh, those who want to go uh, could either contact Alan Hutchinson or John D. Taylor, uh, whose details you can get on the website and uh, they'll be uh, very pleased to hear from you. Uh, Continuing the uh, theme of former players, uh, we've been catching up with Alan Davis. He uh, had two spells at the club, uh, one as an assistant manager with Mike Keane and uh, his first as a player uh, after uh, Brian Lee got in touch. Brian, especially John Reardon, his assistant, they were... John was ringing me up two or three times a week, I don't know, for about a year, I think, trying to get me to Wickham. But I was at Dunstable and... At that time, I was quite happy, and uh, you know, I turned them down. But obviously, uh, in the summer, I went on holiday, came back. Barry Fry, who was my manager then, said, "Alan, you better get yourself to Wickham. It's gone a bit pear shape here." So they got in touch with me again, and I signed for uh, for Brian. Being a Wickham boy, you know, I grew up as a lad. We played Saturday mornings in those days, and we run home, got on the bus back up to Lowe's Park you know, to watch our local team. And uh, I can't remember all the players, but we used to watch Len Worley and Cliff Trott and people like that, you know. And as I say, I I mean, obviously then I went professional. So, you know, uh, I sort of lost a little bit of what was going on in local football. But, um, yeah, I mean, I always sort of look for their results. That must have been something that was extra special, though, to play for your local team. Yeah, I mean, I was a little bit... Well... (laughs) You know, when they was chasing me all that time, Brian and, and John, I was a little bit disappointed in the sense that when I did sign, I mean, it was only about two or three weeks later that Brian stepped to one side and went upstairs and um, Ted Powell took over. You know, so I was a little bit disappointed not to play for Brian. But, you know, that's football, so that's the way it goes. I guess as well, when different managers come in, you perhaps don't necessarily have the same rapport with, with the one who brought you to the club no, as well. No, exactly. And, um, you know, I played under a lot of managers and, you know, Ted was Ted. Uh, he had his clipboard. We used to go up the top at Lokes Park, do our session, come back on the pitch on a Thursday night to do pattern of play. And one particular night, you could see the frost settling round our feet and sort of six times into the pattern of play. I always remember Bodger, Tony Orsman. <laughs> Ted was trying to tell him where to run in the box. 
<laughs> and I think you didn't have to tell Bodger where to run in the box of the amount of goals he scored for Wickham. So Bodger sort of quite politely said, uh, I'm going in the bath. That was the end of the session. <laughs> and how did you find playing on the slope? Because yeah, a lot of extra ex-players, of course, remember the slope. I guess yeah. it depends on the, on your position. Yeah, I think it did. I mean, it didn't give me a problem. I was, you know, I was always, I mean, I'm only five foot seven, but I was always centre forward and I always scored goals. But then I sort of went into midfield and that's where I played while I was at Wickham. So, I mean, that didn't give me a problem, really. So were, were there any games or particular occasions that stood out in your, in your first spell there? I mean, we played Dunstable, where i just come from in pre-season. I scored against them. And then the very first game, and I can't remember who that was actually, but it was at home and I scored in that game. And then for whatever reason, I played, you know, I started off and then gradually, I don't suppose I was one of Ted's sort of players. And I sort of, come Christmas, I got a phone call from Barry Fry saying, when are you coming? I said, when am I coming where? And he just got the, the job at Hillingdon. And... Uh, I went to Hillingdon, you know, and it was a bit disappointing leaving Wickham, but it wasn't to be. So I suppose at that point you didn't imagine you'd be you'd be on your way back again at any time. No, I certainly didn't. Um, as I say, I was at Hillingdon for six seasons, and I ended up going to Kingstonian uh, for a short while. And of we, I think it was the Itachi Cup, League Cup in those days. Who did we draw in the semi-final? Was Wickham. <laughs> So, and then Dave Alexander played for Kingstone as well, another ex-Wickham player. And we drew at home. And obviously Wickham were favourites at Lopes Park, but we beat them to go into the final. Then Mick Keane, who was my brother-in-law, at the end of the season asked me what I was doing. And uh, he offered me the job as his assistant. And I thought, well, I can't go wrong. <laughs> you know, Wickham Wanderers, what, what a good position to be in what do you do you know you sort of come to that sort of time in your career when you have to make decisions but as I say that year uh, we we won the league which was good and the following season I think we was about fifth in the league and Mick told me that uh, they wasn't going to renew his contract so and I left as well and I went back to Hilland as a player. So what was it like kind of making that transition if you like from from player to coach? Well, I think, you know, experience, you know, when you've been in the game for quite a while, I think you've got to have something a little bit about you because some of the players what were in the side in those days, I mean, you know, you had some good players, Howard Kennedy, you know, Kenny Wilson and, you know, and obviously having played against them the season before, they must have wondered what I was doing, you know, whether I was going to be a player or, or, or assistant. But Mick was a good coach and he loved the fiver sides and the shooting drills but I always loved training and it was to me you had to work hard to get the results and that's what we've done and uh, initially it, I think it came a little bit hard to some of the players I remember the first night pre-season Mick split the lads up in, into three groups gave me the main group of the first team so we've done our warm up which lasted about 35-40 minutes and when we all, when Mick blew the whistle to all come in, I remember one player saying, well, I shan't say exactly what he said, <laughs> but he sort of said, who the hell you got here, Mick? Because I think that's the hardest they trained, and that was only the warm-up. <laughs> but it paid off. And I ain't saying that was all due to 
me winning the league, but I think, you know, as I say, you've got to work hard. Because I think as well, as a coach, you can obviously bring in your ideas and, and obviously compliment the manager as well. Yeah, I think you do. I mean, you know, the thing, I always love teams to play football. You know, good quality football, and so did Mick. So, you know, it was a good blend. Uh, it was a good blend, and as I say, in the sense of Mick being what he was and myself sort of, you know, working hard and taking the lads in training and well, and also you have a bit of fun as well. You know, you've got to include that and all sort of work hard, work hard is sort of making the, the, the two sort of things go together. And I, and I think it did, you know, and in the end, they, I think they appreciated it. And we've had ex-players on the show before who've played under Mike and something that really comes across is, is how much he cared about his players and the great uh, relationship he had with them. Well, he did, because, I mean, I never heard any player have a bad word to say about Mick. As I say, you know, we were sort of, you know, we we were related as such. We were married to sisters. Um, but that didn't sort of come into the, you know, come into it at all. You know, we were there to do a job. And the way I looked at it, I mean, you, you know, you'd done the job, you won the league. And, you know, when he was told that he, his contract wasn't being renewed for whatever reason, I think we were fourth or fifth in the league. But, um, as I say, that's football. It's great to have such a sort of a, an impression, if you like, on a side, you know, even at non-league level like that, that, you know, so successful and, and gel so well together. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, you know, I sort of went to, a, when I went to Wickham as assistant, I mean, you know, some of the players they had and, and the way they gelled, I mean, was really, really good. And, um, you know, I appreciated them. And I think at the end of the day, wondering what I was doing there, <laughs> you know, because I played against them, I say, not long before that. And I think they appreciated what I was sort of trying to do with them, you know, by working hard and getting them to play. And as I say, I think it gelled. And such a great dynamic as well for you to be able to work with the players, having been a player at their level as well. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, you know, I, <laughs> I'd have loved to played with them, but uh, it wasn't to be. It was a, a non-playing position. And, uh, you know, as I say, for experience, I couldn't have wished to, to be at a better club. So do you have a, sort of, if this is the right word, sort of favourite uh, period? Would you, did you enjoy your time as a player more or did you enjoy your, enjoy your time sort of coaching? Um, no, I enjoy playing. I think I think you can't, you know... Playing is the main thing of, of any of any footballer's career. Obviously, when I went into management, um, you know, I was at Slough for eight seasons as manager, and obviously we won the league there and took them in the conference. You know, which was a great achievement. But you couldn't you couldn't beat playing, and as I say, I always scored goals, so that was another plus. And something really special about you know non-league football, especially locally as well, and the support that it got. Oh yeah, I mean, well, Wickham as a, I mean, they've the support they've had over the years. As I say, I remember when I was a kid, getting on the bus at Micklefield, and we had to be up, we had to be up Dokes Park an hour before before kick off to get behind the goal, so we could bang the old tin sign when we scored. You know, and I mean they were getting. They were getting 2,000 people in there just for the reserve games, let alone the first team games, you know, so they've always been a well-supported club. And what, how, how do you sort of compare, if you like, the Wickham with the other clubs that, you, that you're at? Um, well, I mean, Wickham obviously were up there at the top. 
And as I say, even when... It was a nice gesture when we got into the conference because our very first game uh, against Wickham at Slough in the league, uh, we drew. And Martin O'Neill... Uh, you know, he, in the boardroom afterwards having a drink, his words to me was, Alan, well played. He said, there ain't a lot between your team and my team. The only thing is, we got a bit of money and you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that says a lot really in, in whatever, whatever, you know, uh, stage of football you're in. You know, if you haven't got money, it's hard work. If you have got money, you've got to spend it well. Uh, but you you know, you you can't guarantee success. No, definitely. And overall, how do you look at uh, look back at both periods at the club? Well, I look back and, you know, my, my playing career at Wickham was a little bit disappointed in the sense that, as I say, Brian finished being manager because I'd have liked to play it under him. Uh, and as I say, really, when you think I joined in the summer and sort of left the week before Christmas, it didn't last long, which I, you know, I looked back and it was a bit disappointed. Again, when I was there as assistant manager, uh, especially the first season, you know, I really enjoyed and uh, to win the league was something special. And the second season, as I say, although, you know, we were going well, we was only sort of fifth or fourth or fifth, you know, again, you know, it was a good team. Um, you know, I look back and sort of with a bit of pride, really. And do you, as a former striker yourself, do you, you, have you been following with extra interest, you know, uh, players who've played in a similar position uh, at the club uh, throughout? And also, as a coach, I guess, as well, you probably watch, watch the games quite differently. Well, you do, um, you know, because you sort of look at what players are doing. And uh, which, you know, when you're actually playing with them, you know, you don't really take that much notice. But I say, when you're looking from the sidelines, you look at it a little bit different and... You know, where a manager might like one player, the other manager might not like him. Um, that's, I think that's what happened with me, with, with Ted Powell. You know, but as I say, I think you learn by experience as well, you know. And really great to have that sort of sense of pride and that connection with the club and, and feeling that you've you know, played such a part in its history, really. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't, you know, you can never take it away. Um, you look back and what Wickham's done over the years and getting into the Football League, I mean, it's fantastic. But if you look back at 82, 83, you see Wickham won the league then. And I was part of that. That's been brilliant to speak to you. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, pleasure. Former Wickham Wanderers striker and assistant manager Alan Davis speaking to us here at Wickham Sound. Wickham Wanderers women back in action on Sunday. Uh, they were playing at home at uh, their new home, the 1878 Stadium in Burnham. Unfortunately lost by a goal to nil at home to Bournemouth. And uh, Craig spoke to their assistant manager, Dan Weber, afterwards. Commiserations on the result today, losing one at home to yeah. Bournemouth. Um, after winning at Adams Park last week in the FA Cup, would you say this is maybe a little bit of a hangover? It's possibly a little bit of a hangover coming back uh, to Burnham, but I think also we're playing a much better tight, uh, better team today. Uh, these guys, top of the league, they've won uh, now three out of three of their games. So I think it's, it was a tougher, a tougher ask for the goals. Um, and it was, yeah, they, they found it hard today. The match itself, it wasn't one that would go down in folklore of, of being a classic. No. Um, a 1-0 victory. 
particularly the second half, very, very scrappy. How, how do you try and navigate that as a management team when you're, you're trying to break down a team that's making it hard for you? Yeah, you just have to really look at, at the way they're playing, their, their, um, their formation, and just see if we can find little pockets where we can find space on the pitch. Um, it, was, it was tough today, tough to break them down. We found it hard to get out from the back. Um, and when we get the ball forward, we can hold it up uh, for long enough in order to be able to bring other players into the, into the game. And so, yeah, it's very difficult when they press high um, and they get their fullbacks forward um, nice and high. So it's very hard to get out. One person that did stand out for me was your goalkeeper. Yeah. She made a string of really good saves in the first half. How would you sum up her performance today? Returning back to the team. Yeah, excellent performance today. Yeah, so um, obviously Sophie wasn't there last week, but today she came back. She made some really excellent saves, kept us in it for a long time. Um, in the first 20, 25 minutes, made a lot of good saves. Um, unlucky with the one that went in. But uh, yeah, look, second half, I think we improved. Quite as busy <laughs> in the second half, but yeah, she um, she's a quality goalkeeper. Wickham Wanderers, the women assistant manager, Dan Weber, uh, speaking to Craig at uh, Burnham uh, the next in action this coming Sunday in the Barks and Bucks County Cup away to Reading online on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM this is Wickham Sound still to come on the Wickham Wanderer show we'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth you might have heard as well the Portsmouth game has been moved once again it was rescheduled to Friday night but now it'll be a television game on the Sunday lunchtime that's the 4th of December uh, something else you might have heard this week as well that Adebayo Akinfenwa is coming back to Wickham uh, Wickham Swan to be precise for uh, two screenings of Beast Mode On uh, his new documentary on this morning's Mid Morning uh, we welcomed uh, Rachel from Wickham Swan and Matt from Wickham Wanderers to tell us more brilliant to get it over the line and get it announced I think we've known this has been in the offing for a good year we've seen the cameras around the place at Adams Park at the training ground over the past year um, and it's been it's been wonderful you know for Wickham Wanderers to have been a part of what we're sure is going to be um, you know a fantastic film charting Adebayo Akinfenwa's uh, kind of progress from the football pitch to the world of showbiz there was an announcement yesterday he's, he's got a wrestling about uh, a few days before this premiere he's, he's often involved with the Super Bowl and, and lots and lots of media commitments and we've seen this global superstar um, you know, reach enormous heights in his off-field career and obviously we were privileged to uh, receive his benefits on the pitch as well at Wickham for six years so um, I haven't seen the film yet I've seen little snippets of the trailers and, and we're really really excited to see it all come together um, Wickham Wanderers will play a big part in it because it played a big part in his life so it's been a lot of uh, organisation a few uh, minor scares about date changes and uh, you know the usual hiccups that come up in the events business but wonderful to see uh, the event go live and, and such a phenomenal response already from the local people and we think people that will travel from London and, and further field to be part of a special occasion to celebrate Adebayo Akinfenwa. So sort of, how would you sum up what he was like to work with? Uh, an absolute gentleman. Oh, that's um, what we're going to say now. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was wonderful. Do you know what, when we signed him, I, I received a lot of messages from people that knew him and had worked with him, and they just said, get set for an absolute roller coaster of a ride with him because you will be busy, um, you will be... Uh, constantly um, requested upon from media and, and fans who, who just want Adebayo Akinfenwa to be part of their lives and whether it's signing autographs or appearing on podcasts or or, or video messages and, and that, that rang true you know he he put Wickham Wanderers on the map uh, to a huge extent his followings are far bigger than Wickham Wanderers um, and you often wonder well, a club like Wickham consider the state we were in is 2016 considered you know, a relatively small League 2 club uh, what would it be like having this the superstar bowling through the place and, and would it upset the dynamic or the culture but he only improved it um, and massively so um, 
you know, everyone's so excited that he's chosen High Wycombe as the venue for this premiere. He could have gone to London. You know, he's played at pretty much all corners of the country uh, during his career. You know, he could have gone back to any of those to host it. But Wickham is where he made a home for the last six years of his career. And it's wonderful that he's, uh, he's chosen to come back here and, and show off his film to the Wickham public. And Rachel, great for Wickham Swan to be the, be the venue. Yeah, we're absolutely delighted. I think it's just really nice to see kind of the two giants in Wickham, of the Wickham Swan and the Wickham Wanderers, coming together and, and being able to host it. It's going to be so exciting for us. It's something a bit different. We haven't done a premiere in a, in a while at least um, so it, we everyone's really excited around the venue about what we're going to do how we're going to transform the space how we can make it a really fun afternoon and evening for everyone so we're delighted to be involved because there's two screenings which, which I guess is, uh, brings a number of challenges but brilliant as well for, for different sort of types of people if you like to come along oh definitely I think the two o'clock screening is ideal for anyone in half term because obviously it's during half term week so really fun activity the tickets are perfectly priced you know in kind of a cost of living crisis that we're in it's really important that affordability is kind of at the forefront for I think both of us as Wickham Wanderers and Wickham Swan so we're really happy with that and that we'll be able to get people in at two o'clock and Adebayo was offering different things for them so in the first one you can meet him and have autographs and then in the evening one there's the Q&A session which we're really excited about and we just think it'll be a really nice opportunity to get a more intimate and personal kind of experience to see the film and actually be amongst the first people on the planet to see the film which is quite an accolade in Wickham. Because Matt there's something quite special that he has such an appeal to such a wide age range as well. Yeah, absolutely, and I think we're seeing that in the in the ticket sales and all the noise that's being created around it is that, you know, we know there were kids that would wait outside after a game for two hours to get his autograph, and at the same time there would be fans of 50 years of the club who just want a photo with him or just to thank him for, for playing for their team, and, and, and he had such wide appeal. And I think what Rachel said is absolutely spot on, that, you know, this isn't, although it's a film, this isn't a cinema screening where you, you, you turn up, you watch a film and you leave again. Uh, this is an experience, and... Um, you know, I, I saw for myself. I took my own boy to the Wickham Swan a few months ago to watch Zog and the Flying Doctors. Um, I think I may have enjoyed it even more than he did. But you know, it, he, he, he could sit at home and watch a screen. But actually, to get him out to the theatre, a real life experience where you've got a crowd around you, you've got it, everything coming to life on the stage. He was absolutely transfixed for the whole show and, and absolutely loved it. He was laughing and, and dancing along. And and this isn't just a film. You know, this is Adebayo Akinfenwa immersing himself back in the community, making himself available for photos and autographs afterwards. It's going to be a great experience, um, not just a film, as we say. It's a great night out, and we fully recommend it to anyone. Shame I missed Zog and the Flying Doctors. That sounds fantastic. It was really good, but <laughs> Tales of Acorn Wood, I'm told, is coming up in November. <laughs> I also booked my seats for that one, and uh, there's more coming up in the new year, so I'll see you there, Colin. And, there, and if you like Zog, Zog's back in February, so... Oh, fantastic. Okay. Don't miss out next time. That was initially a joke, but it sounds quite good now. <laughs> it's backfired. I might well be there. And, and Rachel, it sounds like a fantastic event and a great opportunity for, for people to be able to get to something like this, which is quite you know unusual. No, definitely. And it's something, like we said, the Swan doesn't tend to offer very often. So we're really excited to, to just involve people in the community and to have... Um, a Wickham tie in the Wickham Swan you know a lot of the times we get these amazing touring companies which is brilliant but to have more of a community based event with fantastic opportunities going on after the film you know we're going to make it as fun as possible before the film it's going to be a really good day out if you're coming to the afternoon screening and just a, I think a spectacular evening in the for the evening performance and it's just going to be really fun and the whole team at the Swan is really excited to be involved and to get to do things that we don't normally get to do and, and just to be immersed in, in local people <laughs> 
and have local people in the building, which is going to be really fun. You think, oh, VIP screen, and this is only for, like, you know, celebs or something? Oh, no, yeah, buy those tickets. I mean, they're going fast, especially for the evening performance, but definitely come along. The tickets are really well-priced. It's going to be a really fun event. There's uh, tickets left in the circle and the upper circle. So, Matt, it's a great advert for, as you say, the club that, that he's chosen to have the screening here and also, you know, what he achieved during his time at the club as well. Yeah, absolutely. This this was his home, and I think above all as well, it brings together. As I think Rachel touched on right at the start, Wickham Wanderers and Wickham Swan are two big, um, you know, huge organisations in 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 High Wickham. Uh, we're doing a lot of work with the local university as well, and they're, they're actually sponsoring our family day at the end of October against Morecambe that that Rachel and the Wickham Swan team are going to be involved in as well, uh, and we're fully supporting their family day the following day. So, and and you know, as you've seen, Colin with with Wickham Sound, the club. And the radio station have a fantastic relationship, bringing live commentaries now. And this is Wickham Wanderers, you know, actively working with, you know, like-minded organisations in the community to bring benefit for so many people. You know, yes, it's been a hard time with the pandemic, which you know, put a, a real dagger in the the arts community, uh, the arts industry, and it really threatened the football uh, industry. And, and fortunately, the club's been able to bounce back from it. You know, Wickham Wanderers wants to play an active role in the life of so many people and, and every chance we get to work with, whether it's the university, the theatre, the radio station, whoever it might be, we're going to fully embrace it. Um, that's what we're all about and, and great that this occasion is a fantastic vehicle for us to do so, but I hope it won't be the last time we get to do something like this. And Rachel, as Matt touched on, you know, after the last couple of years that we've had and also with the cost of living crisis as well, a really brilliant opportunity for people, um, as you're finding this week with the, the Osmonds being off, people to come, come out for a great night and, and really sort of enjoy themselves in, in a different way. Oh, definitely. I think, you know, especially theatre and football are very similar in the fact that it's a once in a lifetime experience. It's a live event. You're going to see something that you're never going to see again in the same way. You know, football games don't get replayed in the same way. You know, you might see it again on the telly, but you're not going to see the exact same pass again in a different game. So I think it's really exciting that, you know, football and theatre, especially in Wickham, can, can work together and we can do something really fun. And we're really excited to keep working with Wickham Wanderers and to, to just build on this partnership. Wickham's a really special place and we have these amazing facilities. We have a theatre, we have a football stadium, we have a wonderful local radio show. And it's great that we can all actually work together and, and make a really wonderful place of Wickham and have all these experiences for local people and people further afield to kind of see just how much variety Wickham has you know if you're interested in arts we're over here if you're interested in football Wickham Wanderers are over there but actually if you want a little bit of taste of both why not try us both out you know we're here and we're really excited to be back after the pandemic you know it's it's been a hard time but we're very excited and we're just going to keep going as as long as we can It's a brilliant message. Thank you both so much for coming in. Thank, Thank you, you very much, Colin. You can find out more about the two screenings of Beast Mode On, uh, which is uh, on the 26th of October on the Wickham Wanderers and Wickham Swan websites. Finally, uh, news from Gareth Ainsworth. Of course, uh, plenty to talk about, not least uh, an eventful game on Saturday, uh, a real kind of positive for the club and uh, lots to reflect on as well. We've played better. It's it's crazy, isn't it? You know, you, you play like you do against Plymouth and, and Shrewsbury and then... You don't create as much against Oxford, but that's the one you win. And uh, and so football is about sticking it in the goal, you know. And I've always said that, you know, when people say, "Did you deserve that game?" Yeah, we did. We stuck it in the goal more than Oxford, and and that's what the game's about. And um, and we can go on about performances and and things like that, but it is really about sticking the the ball in the goal. And and it was a fantastic moment, centre off to centre off. Um, and we knew it would be tough at Oxford. We knew they they they. Uh, they're a good good side, you know. Some good players, they've got a big budget, but they have some injuries as well. Um, I think both teams were getting their players back now, um, and I'm sure both teams you'll see climbing the leagues. But um, it was nice because uh, 
three defeats on the spin in the league is not nice for me. It's a, you know, not for any manager. It's a, it's a horrible place. So the boys came through and uh, you know, they did deserve the win in the end of the, you know, the way they defended, the way they uh, they showed up the, the defence. You know, I thought there were, there were some real positive individual performances, but obviously it's always going to be about the team for me and, uh, and the team come away with three points. Fans were brilliant as well. Fans never stopped singing and uh, and really played their part, you know, believe me. They uh, they make a difference and uh, and so I want to thank them as well. I know many fans have watched uh, the video clip of Alfie's goal, uh, Alfie's assist and also his first touch as well and presumably that was that's something you've taught him. <laughs> I'd love to take all the credit for all of it, Colin, <laughs> but uh, we, uh, we can only put the players on the pitch. We can... Uh, we can be the club that attracts players, gets players. We know what we can do with players. But, yeah, give the credit to the players always, you know. I could never bring a ball down like Alfie probably. So, he's a, he's, he's a fantastic footballer. And, and I think that um, the only surprise with Alfie Morrison is that he's playing for Wickham Wonders. I think um, people have missed out higher up for Alfie and, uh, and we're reaping the rewards. Definitely, he's a, he's a brilliant, brilliant guy and he's loving his football at the moment. So, um Hopefully we can uh, we can continue getting the best out of him, but he's leading this group, you know, Chris Farino. I thought that um, he's really maturing as a player now and coming on. I think he's going to be a hell of a centre half, and, uh, and I'm, I'm really pleased he's adapted to the uh, to the right of a three role, you know. Um, and, and yeah, just just really really positive here from uh, from the game this week. It's been it's been a real good week. And I know Phil spoke to you after the game about how yeah, you know it seems to have proved that your your trip to the the Somme has proved such a uh, such a sort of a great masterstroke. But it, it does feel like sort of a real kind of reset after that uh, after those those runner of defeats. And, and now it, I guess it feels, as you say, with injured players coming back, it must feel like you know this could be the, the start of something now. Yeah, listen, if we don't win that game on Saturday, everyone will be moaning saying we should have trained Monday, Tuesday. So you can't win. Um, I just do what I think is right. Um, there is no right sometimes. It's, it's what you feel as a football club. It's what you feel as a person. You know, life is life. You just got to make the best of every single moment and do what you th- believe is is the right thing to do. And uh, and I think that after the Plymouth game in the dressing room, I actually said to the boys, we couldn't have a better moment to go to the Sun. I said, we need we need this. Get out, get a bit of perspective. You think losing 1-0 to Plymouth when you perform really well is tough. Wait till you see what's happened Monday, Tuesday to the footballers' battalions, for the people who are in the war, for families back home, both sides. And I'm never going to be one of these, told you so, I'm never going to be one of these threatening managers. But I love educating the boys. And if it affected one, it was worth the trip. But I know it affected a lot more than one. And uh, and I feel like we uh, we, we move forward as a, as a club again. Brilliant, brilliant to have Rob Curry back in the trip and uh, and giving me all the blessing in the world to go and do things like that. Um, and I say I'm, I'm the manager of a fantastic football club with, with brilliant people, and uh, there's a lot worse, there's a lot worse off than me. Believe that. And I know there was a practice game earlier in the week. Again, a great opportunity to, to give players minutes and and also the, give the younger guys a run out as well. Yeah, you know, really, really good that Sam Grace is getting some of these games on now. We're playing Norwich one week, who are a total footballing side and popping about. And then we're playing Maidenhead the next week, who are uh, you know, quite a direct side, quite big um, challenges going in. And, and so the boys are learning, you know, all these boys have come out of these academies who weren't told they weren't good enough, just like Anis and just like Chris Farina, um, both told they weren't good enough to football. We've got a group now who are coming through again and, and they need to learn every aspect of the game, every formation, every every you know style that there is. And, and we've got to make sure that we uh, 
we, we, we've given these boys the best chance of succeeding and, and that's what we do. That's why we play these games as well as your likes of Soleil and, and Daryl and, 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 you know, the, the older players, TJ and Ali and, and getting extra minutes under their belt, Jack Wakeley, Jack Young, you know. So, no, we're really, really positive um, to, to come through and, uh, and, and again, we've got to make sure that we, uh, we keep these fitness levels up because anyone could be called at any time into this team. And what sort of challenge are you expecting from Peterborough on Saturday? Huge challenge, yeah. I was at Peterborough on Tuesday. I went to Peterborough Forest Green, and uh, and I think that um, it was uh, a very one-sided affair. Um, but rightly so, Peterborough have a style. Um, we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to combat this style, and uh, and I've I've got plenty of stuff I want to do against them. But they are a very very good side, and uh, and obviously they were in the championship last year. We need to make sure that we. Uh, we're matching, you know, what they've done. They, 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 they're in the championship and they haven't really lost too many players from that championship team. So um, competing in the championship is is, is decent and uh, and we, uh, we've we got to make sure we're on it on Saturday at home. And does this feel like you're going into a bit of a key month because you've got because of game Saturday, Tuesday. Um, I know one of them's in the, in the cup, of course. But uh, And again, obviously you've got MK Dons coming up at a team who are in and around you in the table. So great, another opportunity to, to really sort of press on. Yeah, you know, it's still very early days, you know, and it's right. It's early days, right until sort of February, March, because look where we were last season. You know, we were tenth place at, at one stage in, in March, I think, and and so it's you know staying in and around that mid table as long as you can is uh, is key. I think we, we've got a, a great a great team coming back. I think we've got a great squad, you know, getting fit, and uh, and I trust all the players I've signed. We've had a big transition year, you know, with uh, with players Anthony Bayo, Stockholm going, and and Lee Harrison and Matt Bloomfield now going, and uh, you know, so there's there's a lot of change here, and people don't realise that that affects clubs, that will affect you big time, and we've got to make sure that we are now, you know, just just sort of consolidating everything that's been here for years, and making sure we keep our culture and our and our, our identity, and and that's uh, that's how we'll do going into these games, but. Um, these players coming back are, are, are vital for me, you know, really are. And uh, I think there's two or three coming back for Saturday, which is which is brilliant news for me. And a quick mention for uh, Beast Mode On, which has been announced this week. There'll be a couple of screenings. And I know that's something that you've contributed to as well. Yeah. Um, and this is, again, a bonus in my life to have met someone like Bayo and to, uh, to, have, uh, to have played a part in his life. I'm a lucky guy, you know. You don't often come across characters like that, but um, the respect that we both show for each other will, will, will you know, be there forever. And uh, and again, he's uh, he's he's sorely missed at Wickham, but he's on to bigger and better things uh, in the in the media side of the world. And uh, you know, there's BT commenting on games. He's got his films coming out. I'm sure he's going to be in all sorts of shows going forward. And and you know, he's uh, he's really becoming this celebrity that. You know, he he had the potential to become him. So hopefully the uh, the film will do really well for him. And a great advert for the club as well that he achieved so much whilst here being the EFL top goal scorer and that he's chosen to have the, the screenings in the town as well. Yeah, it wasn't easy, believe me. We had to keep uh, we had to keep pushing him and telling him how, how good Wickham was and how much we need him and and, and it was uh, it was a yeah, it was a big thing for him. So um you know, we're hoping the respect goes both ways. I know the respect goes both ways and uh, and Bale will be um Welcome back at Wickham anytime. In recent weeks, you'd have been welcome back on the pitch, but um, I've had to do without him for now, and uh, and we make sure that we uh, we welcome him back for his screenings and his uh, and his media stuff. 
Don't forget live commentary from Wickham Wanderers at home to Peter Britt if he's not going to Adams Park on Saturday on 106.6 and on Wanderers TV as well. Build-up starts from 12 in the car park and uh, full match commentary from 3. Uh, see you next week. <laughs>